from the Carter Subaru Studios, this is Cairo Nights with Jake Scorheim. Welcome to the show. I am your host, Jake Scorheim. Thank you guys so much for joining me on this very special, special Valentine's Day show. Matt, happy Valentine's Day to you. Thank you. Same to you. Thank you so much. Uh, and happy Valentine's Day to all of our listeners out there, most especially to my wife and my three lovely young boys. Happy Valentine's Day to you guys. Um, all right. We have such a great show to get to tonight. We have so much to talk about. Number one, we just have a ton of great stories. We have so much audio that we're not even going to have a chance to get to. Audio that will make you laugh. There's some stuff tonight that actually probably will make you cry, and that's not even a joke. Um, I'm going to be talking tonight. I have a very, very special guest joining me in just about 20 minutes from now. Suzanne Monson is going to be joining us, and she has an event that she's promoting, a CPR event, and it's very close to her heart. And she is going to be joining us to talk about that. Obviously, she's doing this because of, uh, you know, she lost her husband, Dory, 13 months ago. Dory, Dory is my former boss. If you don't know who Dory Monson was, he was a giant uh, in, the, uh, in, in radio. He was such a dear friend. He was my mentor. I just, I could not speak more about a human being than I could about Dory Monson. He's a, he was he was just the best, the absolute best. So I had the opportunity to talk with Suzanne about this CPR event that she has uh, put together and is going to be uh, doing at, on February 25th. I'm going to give you all that information a little bit later in the show, and so you're not going to want to miss that. And this is a, a pre-recorded interview because I, I thought, you know, we might get a little bit emotional talking about this guy that we both love so much. And maybe we would just be more comfortable if we pre-recorded it. So she was in with us just a little bit before the show. We had a chance to sit down and have a, a really wonderful conversation. So you're not going to want to miss that. Tune in for that at 7.30. And then again, I'm going to air the entire conversation in its entirety um, at, uh, at the start of the 9 p.m. hour. So I'm really looking forward to sharing that with you guys. So tune in if you get a chance. All right. At the start of every night, we like to do a trivia clip. This trip, uh, this trivia clip, I will say, it's inspired by the day. It's inspired by the holiday. It is Happy Valentine's Day, after all. Also, it's Ash Wednesday. So, uh, to anybody out there who is observing Ash Wednesday, uh, just a little note to you, and uh, I hope it goes well for you. Ash Wednesday, of course, is the start uh, of Lent, kicks off Lent. So, I uh, just want to acknowledge that as well. All right. So, this movie, a trivia clip that I'm going to play for you now, you can guess on the Muckleshoot Casino Resort text line, 888 I will do my best to get to all of our text messages. Matt and I do our best to try to answer as many of those as we possibly can. You guys love to text. You've got some fast fingers, and you text us a lot, so we do appreciate that. If you don't get it right or if you don't have a chance to text us but you're still enticed to know what this movie's from, then tune in at the top of the next hour. And in the top of the news roundup, I will give you the answer to this. But for now, here's the clip. Good luck. Why didn't you write? I wrote you 365 letters. I wrote you every day for a year. You broke me? Yes. It wasn't over. It still isn't over. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so sweet. Still isn't over. Uh, it's a great movie. My wife loves it. I like it too. It's actually a really good movie. All right, best luck. Uh, take a guess. Muckleshoot Casino Resort text line. 
888-973-5476. I get a lot of people who tell me when I'm picking up my kids at school who listen to the show, you say that number too quickly, Jake. Slow down because we can't text you. So that's for you guys out there who are a little slow on the take. All right. Later in the Matt, let's get to it. Later in the show, I'm excited about this too. Later in the show in the 8 p.m. hour, I'm going to be introducing a new segment. Because uh, here's a little secret I want to share with you. I actually don't know as much as you might think that I know. Shocker. Yeah. No, it's a shocker. Or the press. Yeah. Oh, we are the press. I know Matt's shocked about that. (laughs) There's a bunch of stuff that I don't know. Don't tell my kids. Usually to my kids, I just say, all right, well, dad knows everything. They think I know everything, but everyone knows you can't possibly know everything. I know most. I To be to be fair, I know most things. And I could probably I could probably work my way. I have a practical knowledge of most things. Percentage-wise, what would you say of all the knowledge, what percentage would you say you know? 95%. Mm, but okay. there is a sliver of things that I don't know or a sliver of things that I could know better. And so I thought it would be fun to get a rotating group of experts together, quote, quote, experts, not actual experts, joining me in discussing some of these other issues that I maybe don't have like a perfect handle on. So we're going to start that tonight. I'm going to be joined by James Lynch, who is a wonderful reporter here at Cover News Radio. I'm also going to be joined by Nate the Great Connors. He's going to join me too. And this little segment's going to be called The Council. Tales unfold, secrets are unveiled, and the echoes of ancient wisdom resonate. Collectively, they may just stumble upon the correct solution. Welcome to The Council. Pretty good. Tell you what, when you are turning in ratings numbers like we are, imaging gets behind you pretty fast. You put in a request for something, they get you all right, um, let's see here. Uh, little, Just a little thing to whet your appetite about, about, about Valentine's Day. Did you guys know where the box of chocolates, we were talking about this on the show yesterday, where we actually get this, like everybody, the ubiquitous box of heart chocolates, right? We were talking about this, Matt. Do you know where that comes from? That I do not know. All right, well, I looked it up just for you guys. My mom always said life was like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. You never know what you're going to get. Uh, in 1868, a British chocolate company, who you guys have probably heard of, called Cadbury, they created something called fancy boxes. They were decorated boxes of chocolates in the shape of a heart for Valentine's Day. They quickly became associated with the holiday, and then everybody started exchanging these boxes of chocolates. And then in the second half of the 20th century, they started exchanging cards. And when you start factoring in U.S. greeting cards, estimates on how many people are going to actually send greeting cards... This year, they estimate that there's 190 million Valentine's Day cards that are going to be sent. But when you also add in the number of cards that are exchanged with family members and to kids' teachers, that number is over a billion. And the most cards that anybody will get this Valentine's Day are teachers at schools. So who's to say that we don't thank teachers enough? All right, let's move on. There we go. All right, here's a question for you guys. Do you guys think a higher minimum wage would just fix all of our problems? I mean, we talk about inflation a lot. We talk about the homeless crisis. We talk about all these things. And kind of a very obvious thing would be just, why don't we just raise the minimum wage? Why don't we just like pay people more money? So in California, if that actually works, which I don't think it does, but if it actually works in California, 
pretty soon they're not going to have any problems. There was a lady, her name is Representative Barbara Lee. Her name is not Representative. She's a congresswoman. Her name is Barbara Lee. She's running for one of the open Senate seats in California. In a debate Monday night, she had this to say about what the minimum wage should be. You're calling for a $50 an hour federal minimum wage. That's seven times the current national minimum wage of $7.25 an hour. Can you explain how that would be economically sustainable for small businesses? You have 60 seconds. First, let me say I um, owned and ran a small business for um, 11 years. I created hundreds of jobs, benefits, retirement benefits, also health care benefits. I know what worker productivity means, and that means that you have to make sure that your employees are taken care of and have a living wage. In the Bay Area, I, I believe it was the United Way, came out with a report that uh, very recently, $127,000 for a family of four is just barely enough to get by. Another survey very recently, 104000 for a family of one, barely enough to get by low income because of the affordability crisis. And so just do the math. Just do the math. Of course, we have national uh, minimum wages that we need to raise to a living wage. You're talking about $20, $25, fine. But I have got to be focused on what California needs and what the affordability factor is when we calculate this wage. Ms. So in uh, in California, her her uh, uh, the people who she's running against are calling for a twenty and a twenty five dollar an hour minimum wage, but she's calling for fifty. <laughs> you serious? Yes, she's serious. Which means that the average minimum wage worker, if she is successful in doing this, would make more than a hundred thousand dollars per year for a starting job, like a sixteen year old in California working a minimum wage job would make over $100,000 a year. Also, what was this about? She was talking about the family. She said a family of four makes, what was it, 127 San Francisco is how much they need to survive in San Francisco. But she also said a family of one. Another survey very recently, 104000 for a family of one. Isn't that just a person? Don't we just call those persons? Is it... Do we refer to family of one person as a yeah, family of one, Matt? I've never heard that. I think that's a poorly <laughs> word. <laughs> a family of one. I've never heard well, that I before. I guess if you have like a lot of voices in your head, maybe, yeah, maybe kind of, yeah. you know. All right. You're totally right. Yeah. If, if the person is schizophrenic, then yes, they would qualify as a family of one. Uh, so what, like, okay. So $50, like why stop at 50? Why not make it 100? Why not make it 200? It just, uh, the, the, the problem is. When are politicians going to learn? And I know it's really attractive for her to say this in the middle of a campaign. She wants people to vote for her. She's trying to sell this pie-in-the-sky idea that you can just pay people $50 an hour. The problem is that you're paying them with other people's money. It's not like the government is saying, we're going to start giving people 50 bucks an hour. Maybe government, I mean, maybe there are some government minimum wage jobs that are 50 bucks an hour. But look at the city of Seattle. We just talked about the story yesterday. This pay-up ordinance that the city of Seattle, uh, Seattle City Council enacted, first of its kind, they said, in the, in the, uh, in the nation, and it was aimed to ensure that app-based delivery drivers were going to earn a minimum wage plus tips and compensation for expenses like gasoline, all these different things. And so, in the city of Seattle, they said, all right, if you work for a company like DoorDash or Instacart, you have to make this certain amount of money based on the minutes, of, uh, the minutes that you're working. And they had some range. So, in the city of Seattle, the regular minimum wage in, in Seattle is $19.97 per hour. But with these additional things that they aimed at these app-based companies— uh, for DoorDash, for instance, was going to have to pay drivers $26 per hour, which again, sounds great. People get really excited about, but what happens when you actually start one of these things? 
We talked to that guy yesterday who used to drive for DoorDash and Uber Eats, and he couldn't get he couldn't make money doing it anymore. He said it all just dried up because when they had to pass those costs on to the consumers, the consumers now have all these service charges. They're like $10 per service sometimes. So you order a $9 burrito from Chipotle, and it's $19 with your service charge? That's ridiculous. You'll just leave your house. The convenience isn't worth it anymore. So you can say that somebody's making 26 bucks an hour, but they're not. They're not making any money. In fact, King 5 actually talked to one of these drivers who said, hey, what does this Sunday look like for you now, now that this pay-up ordinance actually went into effect? Sundays before the ordinance, we'd be thinking breakfast. Fewer orders. You know, people, they love their breakfast. Sunday today, I don't even touch it. They're not going to order. And it's definitely backfiring. And they also said, they also talked to another driver who said you got to look at the at the details here. Yes, they're claiming it's 26 bucks an hour, but there's a lot of stuff they're not talking about. DoorDash, for example, says drivers will get paid more, at least $26.40 per hour before tips in their estimation. Assuming that you are working constantly, then yes, you're going to be making that much money, but that's not what's happening right now because people are not ordering as much anymore. So I it's my, it's you might disagree with this. It's my personal belief that just raising the minimum wage to some crazy number like 50 bucks an hour that would be great. I would love 50 bucks an hour minimum wage, but it just doesn't work. Matt, you look like you have something to say. <laughs> no, I was just going to say it it blows my mind because I look at it like this. You used to not have this convenience. You used to actually have to go and pick up your food yourself. Yes. And now, okay, so we have this thing, and then we get so used to it. It's like, how can we live without this? It's so expensive. It's like, you remember in recent history, you didn't have this. Yeah. No, like <laughs> 10 years ago, people were not able to like yeah, exactly. order as easily as they are now. Yes. Uh, so they have rediscovered, Matt, because somebody tried to hike up the price of their food. They've rediscovered that they also have legs, and they went and get their own food. All right. Uh, let's move on. This is kind of a blast from the past. I actually saw this right before we got on the air, so I, I tried to pull together audio for this really fast. You guys are definitely going to remember the story. Do you guys remember Rachel Dolezal? Matt, do you remember Rachel Dolezal? Oh, yes. All right, so Rachel Dolezal, um, <laughs> it was a very strange case. Back in 2015, Dolezal made national headlines when uh, her background as a child of white parents came to light. Now, why is this interesting? Well, because she was accused of faking being a black woman. In fact, at the time when this story came out, she was actually the head of the NAACP chapter in Spokane. She was also an African-American African-American studies professor at Eastern Washington University. And her parents finally were contacted by some news organization and said, hey, is your daughter, is she black? And they said, no, she's not. And so she claimed in a number of interviews that she identifies as black. I'm just giving you some background. She's in the news again, so I'm going to tell you why in just a second. And it's <laughs> the strange case of Rachel Dolezal gets a little stranger. But here she was uh, back in a few different news interviews talking about how she identifies as black. Would you identify yourself as an African-American? I actually don't like the term African-American. I prefer black. And I would say that if, um, you know, if I was asked... I would definitely say that, yes, I do consider myself to be black. Okay. I was wondering if uh, <laughs> if your dad really is an African-American man. That's a very, I mean, I don't, I don't know what you're implying. Are you African-American? I don't, I don't understand the question of, I did tell you that, yes, that's my dad. 
Let me just ask you the question in, in simple terms again, because you've sent mixed signals over the years. Are you an African-American woman? I identify as black. That last clip was when she was on the Today Show. All right, so why is she back in the news? Well, unfortunately, it's another school-related story. This one happened down in Tucson. I guess after this whole debacle happened, she changed her name. She moved down to Arizona. She got a job teaching at an elementary school in Tucson. Now, unfortunately, in Tucson, they recently discovered that one of their teachers, who formerly was named Rachel Dolezal, um, allegedly had an OnlyFans account. And I guess it's not so much allegedly because the school actually ended up firing her and put out this uh, statement to the families. They said, yesterday afternoon, we received information that a Sunrise Drive employee had an OnlyFans account, which had content that was contrary to our district staff social media use and ethics policy. That person is no longer employed at the Catalina Foothills School District. Uh, payroll records reported earlier uh, on the website Outkick indicated that Dolezal was working there and making 19 bucks an hour at the elementary school. She was also making money, according to this website, uh, selling stuff on OnlyFans for $9.99 a month. So Rachel Dolezal back in the news. Very interesting. All right. We have a really special show tonight. Matt, tell them what we got. All right, coming up on tonight's edition of Cairo Nights, we'll be joined by Suzanne Monson with details about an event that could help you save a loved one's life. Cairo News Radio's James Lynch and the great Nate Cotters join Jake on the council. And Lisa Brooks joins us for the day in review on the News Roundup. That's all headed your way on Cairo Nights with Jake Scorheim. You're listening to Cairo Nights with Jake Scorheim. Welcome back to the show. Okay, uh, I'm going to play you guys a little clip from a conversation that I got to have earlier with Suzanne Monson. Now, for anybody who doesn't know, Suzanne Monson is the uh, wife of my former boss and very dear friend, Dory Monson, who very tragically and sadly passed away about 13 months ago. I can't even imagine that it's already been 13 months. But Suzanne is actually organizing this event, which is very near and dear to her heart now. And she wanted to come on and talk about it. I was so honored that she agreed to come on to my show and talk about it. This event is called the uh, When Women Will Show the Love and Learn event. Women are very much encouraged to join the class. What it is is a free hands-on CPR and AED class. It's going to be Sunday, February 25th from 12 to 3 p.m. at Shoreline College. If you want to get more information on this, you can visit shorelinefire.com forward slash events. And you can find all the information there. You can register there so you can show up to the class. Space is limited. So if you want to get a chance to get into the class, sign up quickly. And if there's enough people who are interested, and I think there will be, they're probably going to open it up to do multiple events, which I think would be really great. And I and I wanted to pre-record this conversation with Suzanne because obviously... You know, we're, we're both talking about someone that we love dearly, and it gets a little bit emotional. I knew it would. I just thought the opportunity to talk and to be a little more comfortable if we pre-recorded it versus doing it live. So if you want to hear the entire version of this conversation, I'm going to air it later on the show in the 9 p.m. hour, the start of the 9 p.m. hour. I'm going to play the entire thing. Uh, it's about 20 minutes, and it's just such a great conversation. It's just two people talking about somebody they love. So with no further ado, here is a portion of my conversation with Suzanne Monson. Some of the things I want to share are um, about how our family has been working to adjust to our loss. Um, and so I, I told you that I had a passion after Dory died. And, and this month makes a lot of sense because February, 
February is American Heart Month. Yeah. And um, and it's been 13 months since uh, my girls and I lost Dory to a sudden cardiac arrest. And that is still incredibly vivid in my memory. And it's so surreal to me. I mean, every, yeah. hearing you say it, every time I think about it, it's just one of those things where you just go, I, I can't believe. I can't believe somebody as mm-hmm. big as Dory is not with us right now. Mm-hmm. Well, I know there's others in your audience who've gone through this, and and so I I can empathize with them. And um, like your audience members who've struggled with this, our family has learned so much about the suddenness of cardiac arrest. And and so tell yeah, tell me about this event. Like what yeah. what is the event? Yeah, so um, we are working with the Shoreline Fire Department, and we have a partnership with um, Lake Forest Park Rotary and um, Acorn Catering. Um, and it is a free hands-on CPR AED class. And I'm specifically inviting women because in my research, I discovered that A, men are more likely to suffer from sudden cardiac arrest. It's been true in my family too. Yes. Yeah. And um, and then B, women don't get the same opportunities to be trained in it. And what's kind of um, interesting to me as well is that when a woman suffers from cardiac arrest, both men and women are often reluctant to jump in and start CPR because of the whole, you know, oh, can't go there, can't, can't be touch touching somebody. that yeah. that region of her body. And so women are more likely to die oh, from really? cardiac arrest. Just because, mm-hmm. yeah. Even though men are more likely to be stricken with it. But um, CPR can double the chances of survival and while we were not blessed to have survival after I did CPR and the incredible paramedics and first responders from Shoreline Fire did their job and took him to wonderful care at Northwest Hospital, um, he did not survive. And so that always nagged at me because when the, the firefighters came in and the, um, the ER docs came out to talk to me, they they literally high-fived me. And in my head, I was thinking, who wouldn't do anything they could to save someone they loved so deeply? They were high-fiving you because you actually tried CPR. Because I tried CPR. and they, Which is not common. I didn't realize it wasn't common. Dory wow. and I had to have training every year because we were both coaches oh, at Shorecrest right. High School. Yeah, And so I sort of just took it for granted. I also worked really closely with a friend of mine who's a teacher at Shorecrest, Cami Pratt. She teaches a class in Introduction to Healthcare Careers. All of her students become CPR trained, and they would go through training on how to talk to a 911 dispatcher. You wouldn't believe the number of people who call 911 and just get tongue-tied and waste so many seconds, valuable seconds. Completely. But it makes sense. Yes. I mean, it's like you're, you're in a situation where you're probably in shock. Yeah. You don't even, you're not processing what's going on you around can't you. Think so about to your give sur- the information yes. that they need yeah. doesn't Get come those- natural. No, no. And um, I do believe on that night that, um, you know, my faith tells me that God was with me. My cell phone was in my hand. I called 911. I pulled his big body off the couch, started those chest compressions. And while I'm calling, I'm I'm pushing really hard. And the 911 operator was cheering for me and and then I broke one of his ribs and she said add a girl you're doing it right and I just I was in such shock but I kept going and 
I want other women to feel that level of empowerment. I'd love for men to feel it as well, but just because it's something that happened to our family yeah. and knowing how valuable it is. Um, That's unbelievable. You know, Dory and I would say, we would share with our girls, um, live a life of no regrets. And so live to your best, but I would have regrets when my life is over, if I didn't try to help other women and men um, do this so that they could save someone they loved. Her story is so powerful, and I'm so grateful that she came on my show to talk about it. She's just the best. Again, if you want to hear the entire conversation, I'm going to air that in the 9 p.m. hour, start of the 9 p.m. hour. So make sure you tune in for that. And uh, again, that event is going to be on February 25th. You can find out more information at shorelinefire.com slash events. It's going to be a free CPR and AED class. It's going to be from 12 to 3 p.m. on Sunday, February 25th at Shoreline College. All right. We got a lot more coming up. Stick around. We're going to be right back here on Cairo Nights. You're listening to Cairo Nights with Jake Skorheim. Welcome back to the show. That was such a great interview. So, so great to talk with Suzanne. She's just one of those people that you can sit down with and just like instantly have a real conversation with, which which is actually really hard to do with a lot of people, as I'm sure you guys understand in your normal lives. Like she's just uh, kind of cuts through all the bowl and you can just have a great conversation with her. We're going to play the rest, the, the, the conversation in its entirety, really worth listening to. We didn't get a chance in this kind of shorter segment that we just played with her to get into some of the stories, but we talk about some Dory stories and, uh, and there's more to, there's more to hear about, uh, about her event. So tune in at the start of the 9 PM hour. You can hear that, in, uh, that, uh, interview in its entirety. All right. A uh, couple of interesting things happen at the Super Bowl. I'm going to start with one that is just getting a little bit of press right now, although it did get a lot of press the day it happened. Did you catch Matt when the Super Bowl was happening? Did you catch the streaker that went onto the field? No, I missed that. Okay, yeah, like a lot of people did because they don't show it anymore. When I was a kid growing up, I felt like they showed streakers on yeah. the field. Kind of funny. And it was a thing that people would go, oh, hey, look at that. It's a streaker. What's the best part of watching a streaker on the field? Watching him get tackled and dragged off. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, it totally is. The comeuppance of seeing somebody do something wrong, instant payback for doing something wrong. Like instant uh, ramifications of going onto the field, you shouldn't be doing that. It's a bad idea, especially a football field. Watching them tackle the guy is fun. You can watch, There's countless YouTube videos, actually. That's another YouTube hole that you can go way down and have a good time. So uh, during the game on Sunday, there was apparently a streaker. And you, if you watch the live broadcast, they just barely mention it. I think one of the, one of the commentators mentions it, and then quickly you can tell that he has been told, we don't mention streakers. The cameras certainly do not cut to him at all. They don't never cut to the guy. But you can hear one of the commentators go, oh, hey, it looks like there's a streaker on the field, but we're not supposed to be talking about him. And then they move back and they talk about football stuff while they get this guy off the field. So the streaker is apparently his name is Alex Gonzalez. And because we live in a social media age, he planned this entire thing. At least that's what it looks like because he has now released some videos leading up to him streaking. This was all... What looks to be, I can't say this is for sure, but it looks like just a kind of a genius marketing, viral marketing ploy 
he took some videos of him getting getting ready for it, and then a bunch of folks filmed him, obviously, when he was on the field streaking, because people always have their phones on them. But the cost of a Super Bowl ad, 30-second Super Bowl ad, is $7 bucks. So the average person can't afford it. $7 bucks, a lot of money. Or this guy decides, I'm going to go streaking. I'm going to write. I'm going to take my shirt off. He didn't like go pantsless or anything. He just had his shirt off. He wrote a bunch of stuff on his body so that people could find his social media handles. And smartly, now everybody can see what his social media is. I imagine it just exploded. He was arrested. I don't think he cares. But he released these videos, so now I bring them to you. This is him the day before. I think he's in Vegas at this point. He was staying in Vegas leading up to it, kind of planning this. He's in a Vegas shoe store, and he tries to find out what the field is made of. Is it it grass? Is it turf? Because you need different types of shoes for those different types of fields. And so he goes to the shoe store and makes sure that he gets the right kind of uh, shoe for the what he's going to do. It's turf? Yeah, it's turf. These will grip in turf? That's meant for turf soccer. So I will not slide with this. Are you sure? Yeah, he's assured that he will not slide. All right, so then... The next video that they show is him in a bathroom. I don't know what bathroom this is, but it's somewhere inside uh, the stadium where the Super Bowl was. It's in Las Vegas. I guess they probably just blocked off a bathroom door or something like that because he's not wearing anything. I mean, he still has pants on, but he has no shirt on. And he's got somebody with a thick black marker writing in block letters, you know, real readable for high-definition cameras and people in the crowd uh, with uh, his writing in black marker on him. And it's Pretty funny, them talking about how to make sure that everything can get seen. Actually, that's pretty good font, though. Yeah. He isn't lying about the font. Mine's the... Just don't flex, because it, it gets rid of the E. It does? <laughs> it gets rid of the A. All right, so... All right, and then, the fi- and then finally they laugh about possibly getting arrested before they even make it onto the field. It's going to be bad if we get arrested for filming in a bathroom before... <laughs> and then finally... Here is some raw footage. Again, you didn't see this on the game because they didn't air it, but you can see this in raw footage. You can kind of hear the crowd explode with excitement because, again, it's the most exciting thing during a game if somebody's streaking, especially when he has pants on. I appreciate that. Safe for families. Uh, he's streaking across the field, and I don't think those turf shoes did much for him because it only took about five seconds, and they nailed him. And then he, of course, gets tackled. Do you think that, Matt, that this is going to, when, when videos like this are released, and I guess I understand why CBS didn't want to highlight him because it encourages them, people to do it more. Yeah. Do you think that this, this is just going to be a part of every Super Bowl going forward, every big sporting event that's televised? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, it seems like security is going to be pretty tight. You have to be a certain level of daring and pre-planning to do this to the degree that he even did it. Like, you see all the thought he's putting into this. Yeah, but I don't like, think that most people will. Yeah, but think about think about what he's going to get from this. It's a big, giant self-promotion campaign. He would have he had to pay $7 bucks, and he wouldn't even gotten, like, half the the uh, the advertisement that he did by running onto the field. It, all it cost him was a ticket to the game, yeah. which, you know, is pretty expensive but, to the but, Super Bowl. But what is he promoting? Is he promoting himself, or does he I think have he's business? just promoting himself. It's just at whatever That's his name weird. is on there. Yeah, it's just what? like scratched onto his back. What's the point of that? Does he just want to become more famous? I think so. I well, and now we're talking about I him, so it works. So. I still have no idea what he does or how to reach him. I think going forward, this is just going to be something. I agree it's with you that— trend. I think this is going to be a trend. I don't. I, I, I agree with you that security is going to be really tight. They're going to be watching for this, as they already are. 
But I think there's a really good chance that at every single massive televised event, somebody's going to try to do something stupid And like plus, this. somebody's going to argue that it didn't qualify because he was only shirtless, and they're going to try and take it a step further. Next guy's not going to have pants. Yeah, he's going to ride it on his butt or something. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. All right, the other thing uh, about the Super Bowl, Mark Wahlberg had a pretty uh, well-viewed commercial in the middle of the Super Bowl. kind of grabs your attention. Just the tone of it was a little bit... Uh, uh, different than you would expect on Super Bowl commercials because it was about prayer and praying. Mark Wahlberg and the guys, uh, the guy he did it with is a guy named Jonathan Rumi. He is the guy who played. If you watch the show The Chosen, which is a very good show, I like it. You may not like it, but I enjoy it. Uh, the show Chosen, he plays Jesus, so he was appropriate for the commercial. Wahlberg and him were talking about prayer. Today is the start of Ash Wednesday, so they went on Fox News and they talked about this app that they're helping to promote which is about prayer and uh, meditation, stuff like that. Uh, And he says, basically, they're just trying to bring people closer to God. We just want to continue to encourage people to grow closer to God. So uh, it's been amazing. Ever since I was fortunate enough to get involved with the Hallow app uh, right around the the release of Father Stu, um, you know, it really has, has allowed me to contribute as much as I possibly can and use the platform that I have to encourage people to have a, a relationship with God. What's cool about this, I love Wahlberg. I can't think of a movie that Wahlberg's been in that he's not great. Have you seen The Other Guys, Matt? Not yet, with, no. With Will Ferrell? Him no, and I Will Ferrell? Seen that one. Oh my gosh. Recommend it? Watch it this weekend. Okay. It's so good. The it's other fantastic. Guys. Yeah, it's called The Other Guys. Okay. It's just the funniest movie ever. But Wahlberg basically says, listen, the reason they're doing this is because during COVID, there was a lot of people who were divided about a lot of different things, and he wants to do what he can to help bring people back together. So many things have caused the disconnect over the years, especially yeah. with COVID. I mean, I hadn't gone to church for over a year. It was uh, it was a very difficult time, and people people are really looking to reconnect and find something that will, will fulfill that need. All right, we got a lot more coming up on the show. Stick around. We're going to be right back here on Cairo Nights.